0: I direct your attention this morning to the book of Hebrews in the second chapter. Hebrews chapter 2. We shall read verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Therefore... It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. This is the word of our great God. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that you do for us what you have promised. May this, your word, bear fruit. May it change us. May we be brought closer. May we be alarmed where we need to be alarmed. May we be brought to repentance. For this is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Author and business leader Fred Smith wrote once, One of my treasured memories comes from a donut shop in grand saline texas there was a young couple farm couple sitting at a table next to mine he was wearing overalls and she a gingham dress after finishing their donuts he got up to pay the bill and i noticed she didn't get up to follow him but then he came back and stood in front of her she put her arms around his neck and he lifted her up revealing that she was wearing a full body brace. He lifted her out of the chair, backed out the front door to the pickup truck with her hanging from his neck. He gently put her into the truck and everyone in the shop watched. No one said anything until a waitress remarked almost reverently, he took his vows seriously. There are some things in life we ought to indeed take seriously listen to this paraphrase of these words it is crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't drift off if the old message delivered by angels was valid and nobody got away with anything do you think we can risk neglecting this latest message this magnificent salvation First of all, it was delivered in person by the Master, then accurately passed on to us by those who heard it from Him, all the while God was validating it with gifts, through the Holy Spirit, all sorts of signs and miracles, as He saw fit. You know, we find ourselves drowning in a virtual ocean of communication. Media, advertisements. Al Moeller said it this way at times, all, at all times, somebody somewhere is trying to get our attention and deliver a message to us. Commercials, billboards, Twitter feeds, political campaign ads, television preachers, entertainment, conversations, and a thousand other things flood our eyes and ears. The key to navigating these treacherous waters is deciphering which messages are worthy of our focus. Folks, there's all sorts of things coming at us all the time. It it hasn't gotten any better. I'm not convinced it will, truthfully. The writer to the Hebrews, has come now to his first admonition, his first warning. There are several of these scattered throughout the book. But this first warning ought to be grasping our attention, ought to be, in a sense, getting us by the collar and giving us a shake. We tend to act at times like living as a Christian is something of a background thing. Uh, you know, we believe in the preservation of the saints, so we don't really need to give a whole lot of thought to this business, do we? I mean, you, Preachers get worked up about it, but it's their job. We pay them to get worked up about it. My friend, hear what I'm about to say. Christ's disciples must defend against the danger of drifting. And drifting is actually dangerous. Two main things to consider. First of all, that drifting is possible. Verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. Now, the word here for drift is a vivid one. If you look how it's used in the literature of the day, it's used for a river flowing out of its channel, that is, a flood, river where you don't want the river. It's used for a ship that slips its moorings and drifts out to sea. It's used of a ship that misses the harbor entrance and crashes on the rocks. It's used of someone's memory slipping. Some of us are familiar with that, eh? Or of a ring slipping from a finger or of a crumb going down the wrong way. The picture here is not... Active rejection of what's heard. Again, hear the language. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift from it. Here is the possibility. That you stop paying attention to what matters. And folks, there's so many things that can get in the way, aren't there? And before you know it, you're in a place you never thought you'd be. Robert Robinson composed the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I love that old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. He was converted, actually, under the ministry of George Whitefield. But later in life, he drifted from the Lord. He had been a greatly used pastor, but neglect of spiritual things led him astray. In an attempt to find peace, he began to travel. During one of his journeys, he met a young woman who was a committed Christian. What do you think of this hymn I've been reading? She asked. This was a day when folks would read hymns you didn't have a hymn book at church you had a family hymn book that you brought with you she hands him the book and he opens up and it's his own hymn come thou fount of every blessing he tried to avoid her question but was hopeless for the lord had already been convicted he finally broke down confessed who he was and how he had been living away from the Lord. My friends, it is possible to drift. Now, a number of things can contribute to this drifting. One is just the passage of time. Some of you made what you then considered to be a serious commitment when you were younger, but you allowed it to slip. At first it was imperceptible, but now you're not where you thought you'd be When you started. Robert McQuilkin penned a poem, Let Me Get Home Before Dark, and said it this way, I fear the dark specter may come too soon, or do I mean too late? That I should end before I finish, or finish but not well. That I should stain your honor, shame your name, grieve your loving heart. Few, they tell me, finish well. Lord, Let me get home before dark. Passage of time. Busyness. Life does not slow down as you go along. It simply doesn't. The pressures of education or employment may change, but others are added. Maybe a spouse, children, the multitude of things we tend to volunteer to do. All the business and the busyness can cause us to drift. We too often sacrifice what's best for what's good. And before we know it, imperceptibly, we have drifted. Well, you know, I I used to read the Bible every day, and now I try to read it once a week. Um, I used to try to be in services at least a couple of times a week, and now it's a couple of times a month. The church attendance folks are telling us now that you figure your congregation is probably about 50% bigger than a typical Sunday morning because most folks don't attend in the United States more than once or maybe twice in an entire month, and yet consider themselves members in good standing of church. And in a sense, you can say, yeah, well, they do show up. But folks, how much do we let and how much do we find ourselves saying yes to more and more and more things? A promotion at work may be a blessing in the kindness of the Lord. It may also be a curse. And while it puts more in the bank account and Pumps up the ego; it may injure you spiritually. I just say, be aware. Hobbies—nothing wrong with avocation—but my goodness, if you don't know it, some folks' hobbies take up more time than their own employment takes up. Busyness can make you drift. Callousness to the truth. You know, it is unfortunate but possible to hear the glorious truth so often. With a hard heart, we forget its glory. It's a little bit like folks who live near beautiful landmarks and see them so often They get to the place they don't notice them anymore. They just look right through them. I know many of you say, "Well, if I could live in such and such place and see that every day, I would never take it for granted." Careful. We have dangers around us. We we have an enemy. Who will distract us? You see, folks, if you're his, he can't get you lost, but he can get you useless, injured, if you will. <laughs> I read a preacher preached a series of sermons on sins of the saints, and he was severely reprimanded by a church member. Said, after all, sin in the life of a Christian is different from the sin in the lives of other people. To which the preacher replied, yeah, it's worse. Brothers and sisters, we have to acknowledge it's possible to drift, and it is up to us to pay attention. Nobody's going to do this for you. It's not up to your spouse to keep you on track. Now, it's nice if they help, In fact, it's best if they help. It's next best if they don't hinder. But ultimately, my friend, this falls to you. It's not up to your children to keep you on track. Children, it's only to a degree up to your parents, depending on your age. My observation is this. It's fascinating as I see this, and it depends cultural, I believe, in many ways. But it's always intriguing to me when I have young people come to me over the years and suddenly they're asking questions about Christian living and they're asking questions about what they ought to be doing and it, it seems to get connected to adulthood. It's, it's like all at once they're going, you know what, maybe, maybe I have something to do here. And I, I don't believe for a moment they weren't Christians up to that point. I think they were Christians. It's just a mark of maturity. They're now saying, oh, it's up to me i have something to do can i give you a little hint my friend if that happened in your life that's the kindness and blessing of the lord and one of the greatest indications you're actually converted you want to take that up what i'm warning us of my friend is it's possible to drift but you see it's not just that drifting's possible it's also that drifting's perilous Since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Ignoring the angelic message, ignoring the law, brought punishment. Now, don't miss, how does the chapter open? What's the first word? Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, remember the rules right? Every time you see therefore, you see what it's there for. He's looking back. What did he just do? He spent time explaining that Jesus is superior to angels. Jesus is the son. The angels aren't the son. Jesus is the king. He's on the throne. Angels aren't on the throne. Jesus creates and sustains the universe. Angels don't do that. But he wants you to know angels are still important because it is through them the law is given. Now, other than one text in the Old Testament, and this is Deuteronomy 33, 2, where it says, um, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth... From Mount Paran, he came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. That's the only Old Testament text. But by the time you get to the New Testament era, there's a strong position and conviction that angels were very much involved in the giving of the law. Now, I don't think they're making this up. I think it is actually... The Lord is showing them as they go through. You read it in uh, Stephen's sermon in Acts chapter 7, that very long sermon that ends with his martyrdom. Acts 7, 53, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. It shows up in Galatians 3, 19. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Regardless of how we see the angelic involvement in the giving of the law of God, here is the point of the author's argument. If the law that has come to us through angels who are less than the Son, chapter 1, came with warning, and not just warning, but consequences for disobedience. It's as lesser to greater argument. If this is true, how much more this? If that was bad, this is worse. Folks, the entire history of Israel is a demonstration that God took His Word seriously, and their disobedience cost them temporarily, over and over and over again whether you see it in the lives of israel through the judges whether you see it during the times of the monarchy and ultimately being carried off into captivity two different times all of this in fact their very living of the day in the first century was a demonstration that violating ignoring the law of god was dangerous The Jews were scattered over the known world. Many of them couldn't read Hebrew, the language of the text of Scripture. It was so bad, they had to have somebody translate the Old Testament into Greek so that all the Greek-speaking Jews could have a copy of the Word of God. That's how far removed they were from their history and their heritage. They're scattered throughout the world. They're living now under the dominance of Romans. It is the message over and over again fail to keep my covenant, my law, this is the cost, the price you will pay. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, thus also shall he reap. My friend, if ignoring the, an angel's mediation of the law brings punishment. How much worse, verses 3 and 4, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? The word here, escape, it's it's like the author when he does this. He kind of does what's called in, in literature an inclusio. And he uses the very same word again In chapter 12 of Hebrews. And it's like he sets up a frame of warning. How are you going to escape if you neglect this great salvation? And then in chapter 12, listen to these words. Start at verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who's speaking. For if they did not escape, when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject Him who warns from heaven. In other words, if what Moses warned about, you didn't escape, what are you going to say when God the Son has brought a message? At that time, His voice shook the earth, but now He's promised yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that are made, in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, my friends, if we do not affirm what the text of Scripture says about the wrath of God, We have failed in our duty. In fact, the good news that you can be saved has no meaning unless you understand what it is you are being saved from. Here is the warning. How can you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? The answer is you cannot. In fact, the word escape here is used in the rest of the text of Scripture. It's almost always in view of the final judgment. Luke 21, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day, the day of the Lord, comes upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape. All these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. First Thessalonians 5:3. While people are saying there's peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. I, I like old movies. One of my favorites, the Great Escape. Steve McQueen, James Garner. I, I mean the it to me just classic, brilliant movie about allied prisoners of war who plan to break out of what was considered the top flight top of the line best, prisoner of war camp that Germany had ever produced. And many do, but one of the hard moments as you watch it is as they follow the story of men who don't make it and how they get captured. How one of them makes a mistake of answering a question in English. He was pretending to be German. He answers Somebody says, "Ask a question in English. He answers in English, and he's caught." The queen has this great ride on a motorcycle as he's trying to escape. He's doing his best to get across the lines, and he's jumping over barricades. And he finally ends up crashed and caught in barbed wire. And you feel down—at least I do. You feel down inside the the pit of your stomach. How awful this is! That close. To escape and not make it. And folks, that's fiction. It was based on a real thing. But that whole idea of escape. Do you understand? There is no escape from God. There is none. There's no place to hide. You'll call on the rocks and the mountains to cover you. It would not matter if they did. There is no escape. How shall we escape? If we neglect such a great salvation what is it that makes it great well first of all it's announced by jesus himself what is it he uses three qualifiers he says how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation and then he makes three statements about it it was declared at first by the lord it was attested to us by those who heard and God also bore witness. (coughs) There are three elements here announced by the Lord. It harks back to chapter 1, verse 2. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. If the angelic announcements of the Word of God brought serious punishment, what happens when we fail to heed the word made flesh. This is God's final word, his ultimate revelation. Jesus will say, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it'll be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. The word has come and made flesh and dwelt among us. He has spoken. What he said defines this gospel, this glorious salvation. It's confirmed by witnesses. In fact, can I point out, this is one of the reasons we don't believe Paul wrote this. Because he never talks about it being attested to him by those who heard. He always makes it about the Lord actually calls him directly. And here, the author is saying, it was attested to us by those who heard. There were witnesses. Witnesses who saw and heard. Brothers and sisters, please don't treat that lightly. You know, I ran into people all the time, well, how do you know this is true? There were eyewitnesses. Well, how do you know? They wrote it down. Well, But that was a long time ago. And people back then were kind of dumb. They were ignorant. And then I realized, you're an ignoramus. You don't understand history. You know nothing of the times. My brothers and sisters, just a hint. I I subbed for one of our Sunday school classes today. Athanasius on the incarnation. Can I let you in on a little hint? I haven't met in my lifetime a handful of people, half as smart as Athanasius, who lived in the 300s. and wrote a book in his 20s that most of us read and go, wow. There were eyewitnesses. Eusebius, the first church historian, in his ecclesiastical history preferred uh, pre- preserved a fragment from a fellow named Irenaeus of Lyon who had learned from another apostolic father, and I joke about this, Polycarp. I can't help it, I always think fishing when I read Polycarp. Carp, I, I, I know, I'm a hillbilly, I get it. But Polycarp was associated with the Apostle John. And Polycarp, this is what he wrote, Irenaeus writes this, As Polycarp remembered their words and what he heard from them concerning the Lord and concerning His miracles and His teaching, having received them from the eyewitnesses of the word of life, that is, John, Polycop related all things in harmony with the scriptures, these things being told me by the mercy of God. I listened to them attentively, noting them down, not on paper, but in my heart. And continually, through God's grace, I recall them faithfully. They were eyewitnesses. Finally, God Himself testifies. God added His own witness. How? Signs, wonders, miracles gifts of the holy spirit folks do you see that the scripture never runs from the idea that jesus actually performed miracles and i know people well people were gullible back then they believed in miracles have you paid attention today you want to talk about gullibility good night of course they were impressed Sick people didn't suddenly get well, dead people didn't get up and live, lepers didn't suddenly reverse, paralytics didn't suddenly walk. People don't usually walk on water. And you usually can't use a kid's meal to feed 5,000 people. The author here completes the if-then argument. If the word spoken by angels was sure and those who violated it were punished, then those who neglect the greater revelation given through the Son will not escape. There's, There's no doubt about its truthfulness, since it's a word from heaven, the first generation of Christians heard the message directly from Jesus, and those eyewitnesses confirmed the message for the readers. God himself bears witness. Friend, why do I hammer at this? For I fear for you. Have you let some things slip by? Have you been drifting? Now, maybe your drifting hasn't troubled you. And my friend, if your drifting doesn't trouble you, Please hear what I'm about to say. You need Jesus. If you're not bothered by backsliding, then I'm bothered about your conversion. But maybe you've drifted and you've been miserable. Praise the Lord. My friends, I remind you of what the Scripture declares clearly. There is only one gospel. Let us not drift from it. Paul said, if we an angel from heaven preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach, let him be accursed. Paul will tell Timothy, there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The truth and teaching of the gospel must not be held lightly. They are of supreme importance. They are matters of life and death. They are to be cherished and obeyed at all cost. Calvin put it this way, God wishes His gifts to be valued by us at their proper worth the more precious they are the baser is our ingratitude if we don't have they don't have proper value to us in accordance with the greatness of Christ so will be the severity of God's vengeance on all despisers of the gospel Christian it is dangerous to drift it's possible and it's perilous don't let this happen to you give attention well I'm, I'm struggling okay struggle don't quit well it feels like a fight fine fight fight for the sake of your faith Fight for the sake of your soul. Remind yourself of what is true. Preach to yourself the gospel. Pray God overcome your cold, indifferent heart. Weep. Weep for your indifference. Plead for mercy. Oh, my friends, do not let this slip. For if you do, you shall not escape. Let's pray. Our Father. you have plainly spoken to us now through this, your word. Lord, may we give greater attention, more intense attention to what you have given us, what you have showed us, what you have declared to us. May we give great serious attention to the gospel may we not find ourselves cast off may we not find ourselves giving up oh lord help us help us that these things not slip help us know that for that to happen would be disastrous oh lord make us faithful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.